Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning, evening, afternoon, no matter what time of day it is for you. Welcome to Collider Dailies. I'm John Algins, and joining me is... Maggie Lovett. Yeah, we should work on getting that, that like, distance between when I say is and you saying your name down <laughs> I'll just shorter. start saying Maggie love it as soon as like the Collider Dailies rolls I'll speak Maggie love it <laughs> <laughs> okay don't maybe don't like speak over me to like that degree but you know like let's let's work on this Maggie it's been it's been over 50 episodes we can we can do this I think that's that's our that's our big thing to work on well I'm very proud of you this week you remember that I'm not always your co-host on these shows so that is true although that being said have i ever have i ever hosted an episode where it wasn't you because i've been on episodes where perry was the host this is true but i wasn't hosting this is true so i am always joined by you when i'm hosting this is true This is this is like the dumbest way to open an episode ever. Uh, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about a whole slew of things. Maggie has some like action figures to show us. Uh, we're going to talk about Echo coming early uh, and when you can watch that. But before that, let's talk about the box office for the weekend because uh, yeah, movies came out and money was made by studios at some point. Uh, so this weekend was, of course, the premiere of Wonka, which is currently the box office leader out of the weekend with a total of 39 million domestic and 151 million worldwide. That's pretty good, considering that a lot of films this year have been kind of, you know, down on their opening weekends. 150 million is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, the rest of the box office this weekend, we had, of course, the Hunger Games Ballad of, uh, 
Songbirds and Snakes. I always flip them. Like, I want to say Snakes and Songbirds, but that's wrong. Uh, that movie is at number two still, still going pretty strong. Uh, number three is The Boy and the Heron. Number four, Godzilla Minus One, who is just absolutely chugging along. Godzilla Minus One is putting up some crazy numbers for a foreign film. We don't normally see that like that. And then, of course, rounding it out in our top five, we have Trolls Band Together, which I'll be honest, I didn't realize was still in theaters. Me uh, <laughs> Maggie, have you, which of these movies have you seen? Did you go see Wonka? Did you... Like, I don't need to go see things while I am getting critic screenings, so they are all well, okay. in a stack by my, my computer. Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> of those, I have seen The Boy and the Heron, which was excellent. Hmm. And are you at all are you at all surprised by Wonka being able to pull in like a, a rather respectable I am. domestic and international poll? I am. I think because of some of the stuff that was swirling around this weekend about how studios have realized that they have to trick people into watching musicals. Um, yeah. Apparently their tactic might've been accurate. Cause I think a lot of people didn't realize that Wonka was a musical until they sat down and people started singing at them. Uh, so once you have like a captive audience, you know, it's, it's bad form to get up and leave. Um, so, I mean, while I don't think we need another Wonka remake, um, I'm happy that it's doing well because I would like to see more musicals continue to happen as a musical theater girly. So I'm not <laughs> going to complain. Let's let's talk about that for a second. The whole like them not marketing musicals as musicals because they've they've done this for a while. Like even even to the point of you know going back to the original Frozen. They didn't market that as a musical either, which that's a Disney movie. So that's insane to me. Yeah. But, you know, this movie was a musical. We have Mean Girls coming out in January. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Coming out in January. That's a musical. It's an adaptation of the Broadway play. But if you watch the trailers for that, you wouldn't think for a second that it was a musical. In fact, the only musical, the only hint at it being a musical in any of the marketing that I can see is in the A on the logo. There's a music note. Yeah. And that's it. Why do you think that Hollywood is so adverse to telling people that they're going into a musical? Another prime example that actually actually hit me was uh, Rocket Man, a couple a few years back. Yeah, I I went into that film expecting a biopic. I didn't know it was going to be a a musical. I mean, it was it's about Elton John, so I suppose I probably should have assumed that it was going to be, but <laughs> that caught me off guard. Like this is a trend that's been going for a while. Any um, thoughts on? Why? I'm going to say I don't think that it's it's Hollywood. I think that it is consumer demand. Um, and somewhere along the way, they realized if they package a movie as not a musical to their audience, they're going to trick people into seeing it, and then they might actually enjoy it and like buy the soundtrack and things like that. It seems like um, there's been a trend. Like back in the day, musical movies were like all the rage, and then it kind of fell out of fashion. And I think that this is part of them wanting to continue to do musicals, but realizing that marketing has to hide the musical aspect. I don't think so much that it's Hollywood like, oh, we're going to trick everybody, but that they've realized that audiences don't necessarily want musicals until the musical is happening to them. It's kind of like doing a like a, a live, um, oh God, what is it called? Um, like the pop-up musicals and people just start singing at you at the mall. Um, uh, like, uh, oh. oh my God. <laughs> It's really, it's really annoying when it happens. Uh, <laughs> yes. um, I know. I know. It'd be really great if the voice of God could just come in and tell us the word that we're thinking of. <laughs> um, uh, God, what is it called? 
flash mob. Flash mob. <laughs> yeah, flash mob. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, it's uh... God. Are you there, God? It's happened? me, Margaret. Okay. For a second, I thought it was dead there. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was a it is a flash mob. Yeah, or like a, the cinematic equivalent of a Rickroll. Where like you're led to believe that it's something and then you're gonna get something else entirely. Yeah. It uh <laughs> but that that just kind of begs the question to me. If they think that audiences don't want musicals, why are they making musicals at all? Because they end up doing well. It's it's like you need to trick your audience into enjoying something. I don't understand what it is when there are so many musical theater kids. We're out here. We would love to see more musicals. Like I was saying before the show even like started, I like I went and bought a bunch of like old musical um, vinyls this weekend because I love musicals. Um, so people love musicals. I just think that they've been burnt by bad musicals. Um, like bad musical adaptations and stuff for movies that maybe that's where there's like some sort of consumer hesitancy uh, and maybe we're slowly seeing like the return of musicals. I would love that. We need more musicals. We need more original musical movies and less remakes. Listen to me, Hollywood. Yeah, because Hollywood's uh, listening to Collider Dailies. Uh, you don't know. I mean, they probably are. Mr. Hollywood, are you watching? Um, Hollywood. <laughs> Jeremy Miller points out, West Side Story and In the Heights underperformed, so I can understand a little bit of why studios are hesitant. Like, and they went all in on those being musicals. There was no, yeah. you know, masking that. I don't know. It's, it's one of those weird, like, almost enigmas in the movie business where it's like, they very clearly know that audiences don't want musicals, but they feel the need to keep doing it. It's, I, I mean, logically speaking, they see that people will spend buku bucks to go see musicals on stage in New York, on Broadway, and on the West End. So they know that it is a lucrative venture, that people do enjoy musicals, that they will spend a lot of money to see musicals. But that's a very small audience versus the much wider audience that is going to see movies in theaters. So I think that this is them trying to figure out how they can tap into that audience. I mean, we just saw the waitress um, li like live recording thing that they did do really well. There was a lot of people tweeting that like their audiences at their like local theaters was like completely booked because, um, you know, going to see a musical is like a very privileged thing. We've talked about this before on, on dailies. And so I think that like the studios understand that there is a demand for it. They just have to figure out how to package it to a much wider audience. And I hope that Wonka and maybe even Mean Girls will be like the beginning of that and seeing like a, a, a renaissance of musical movies because I love them so much. That being said, I do want to, I want to meet a person who went and saw Wonka not knowing it was a musical and who was genuinely surprised. There's a lot of people on Letterboxd. There's a lot of people on Letterboxd that are saying that, so. Did they watch the original Wonka? I mean, do they, do they know the style of, of movie? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who really only saw like the Johnny Depp Wonka. Like that was very big, especially for my like generation. I've of course seen the original Wonka because I'm not sheltered. Um, but like some people just don't, or they don't realize, like remember, you know, sometimes your memory can deceive you, but apparently Timothy Chalamet can sing. 
I'm not surprised because you know Timmy T, but was this one of those one of those musicals where they where they live sang it, or was it pre-recorded? I haven't watched any featurettes for it. Um, I would they I mean they always do both like you sing when you're doing oh, it yeah. and they ADR it. Um, so I don't know, haven't seen any featurettes on it. I don't know. Uh, T and J Omaha says I have a hard time believing studios think no one wants to see movie musicals if they keep green lighting them. That just doesn't make sense, especially when they're hurting so badly financially right now. I don't know if necessarily saying that they're hurting badly financially right now is necessarily true, but the rest of that statement is, uh, it is, I don't know. It's it, as I said, it's a weird enigma that I just don't, I don't have a handle on. Musicals are as old as Hollywood itself. Well, yeah. One, so, of the, I mean, one of the like first genres of musicals. Yeah. As soon as we had sound, we had musicals. They're like, let's start singing, guys. <laughs> we got audio. Let's go. Like immediately, right out the gate. Just, we're just, <laughs> we can do sound. <laughs> Show tunes. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know what doesn't have any musical numbers? I'm assuming. I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. Echo. I mean, hey, Hawkeye had a musical number. That's true. Hawkeye did have a musical number. Maybe Echo will have maybe Echo will have an episode that takes place entirely on Broadway so that we can see the entirety of the Rogers musical. There you go. <laughs> I have a feeling it's a kind of different vibe than Hawkeye, so maybe not. It definitely seems it. Yeah, so uh we're gonna be talking about Echo right now. I hope that I hope that someone gets the the joke of the title of this segment. It's hard to like express via text that something is is reverberating if you have to explain it it's not as funny as you think well you know what i wrote the show notes dead tired so you're gonna have to excuse me a little bit here anyways so you're yes excused. echo uh <laughs> echo is being released early on disney plus uh kind of it's being released a day early uh you will be able to watch all five episodes of Echo on January 9th, which is a day sooner than it was going to be. And it will be available during the prime time slot, meaning that if you are at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern, you'll be able to catch all of the episodes, which I think is a nice change of pace from how Disney Plus has been doing shows so far. I, I gotta say, when they first started doing the like weekly episode releases, I was like, this is cool. I'm all for it. Now that that's all they've been doing, uh, just just let me have the episodes to binge, please. <laughs> just, I ain't got the time for all this waiting, personally. But Maggie, what's your take on this? Do you Can you think of how this might affect maybe the viewership? of echo considering that this is this seems like a series that not a lot of people are super hyped about yeah i am not sure like 100 percent how this show is going to perform which is very unfortunate since there's like so much really um important representation in the series um i haven't been super happy with the way that disney seems to kind of be dumping it in january which is like a weird time right after the holidays that they're shifting the like the model for it that this is the show they're choosing to like launch pad this new like more mature gritty like whatever label that they've they've labeled it as and dropping it all at once 
um, I'm afraid that that sets a bad precedent um, for them going forward with other shows that maybe have smaller audiences. There's no real way for it to gain an audience because there's no word of mouth week to week the way that other shows have benefited from. Uh, so I'm not super thrilled about this. While I like the idea of having this like grittier label, I think that's a really neat idea for them because that is something that I've obviously talked about on dailies, wanting a much more mature, um, you know, world of Marvel. I think that this was an unfortunate show for them to choose to launch pad that, um, especially since it's kind of felt like a long time coming for it. Um, there's obviously a lot of really interesting plot stuff that's probably going to happen um, with like Kingpin and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic, but I'm not happy that this is the show that they, they've chosen to do the binge model um, when it's very much not been a binge model thing up until this point. So you're concerned that this is them sort of pseudo sweeping it under the rug? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been the vibe that everyone has gotten from the repeated like release date changes for the series. Some of the rumors about like reshooting, uh, the way that it's been marketed, the way that everything has kind of been like pushed out feels like something they're just dropping and running. Um, and the same thing I'm seeing happen potentially with like Ironheart uh, seems like that's kind of getting the same treatment and it just, is weird uh you know if you wanted to do this why didn't you drop loki as a bench model uh you know it just doesn't look super great <laughs> i'm just my main concern with it is because you know like we a little while back we got the news that uh disney and marvel are gonna be changing up the way that they're producing these series mm -hmm. uh that they weren't happy with daredevil i wonder if this is one of those things where they were not happy with Echo either, but it was already so far along Yeah, that they're just like, we might as well just drop it, but then like ignore it and move on. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if this is like just a leftover from the old model that just continued to not work well. Um, that yeah. is like my main concern with it. Uh, that being said, I also like, Echo has always seemed like just a weird series to go with. To yeah. Me. Just because like, and I know some people have said this before, but this, this very much feels like a series that nobody was really asking for. Like the Echo character is cool and all, but I don't know about yeah. having her carry an entire show. So this is something I think that they fumbled the bag on. And I think that it, is really indicative of the issues that Disney's been have, having with like their Marvel series. If you had done like two seasons of Hawkeye that came out like at a, a regular interval, like you had, you know, a one year, you know, gap in between or six months, like however, you know, whatever model worked for their release schedule. If you then had the backdoor pilot happen in season two, then you have more emotional investment in the character because you've got like a season and a half or two seasons if you like set it up in like the penultimate episode of season two or something. And then you do the spinoff, which is very much the way that you know, Daredevil did on Netflix, you had Daredevil introducing Punisher, Punisher spinoff, Punisher series, you know, that works really well, Jessica Jones. I mean, those kind of things where they they do the, they get you invested and then they do the spinoff. And it felt like Disney was like, let's do a spinoff. Like they didn't wait to see where that emotional investment is or wait for the story to, you know, really benefit from having a spinoff. It, it's very much seemed like Marvel wants everything all at once and doesn't really know how to necessarily lay out the pieces, which 
that's kind of been the history of Marvel when they get really excited about the next thing and they forget about the thing they're working on right now. And then it like ends up not necessarily well, at least, anybody. At least more recent Marvel because. Yeah. You they know, did well in the beginning. I will say there, that. Like, the first there was a period years. of time where like we were saying basically this exact same statement about DC. Yeah. And we yeah. were saying like DC gets overly excited and they're cramming all this stuff out way too fast. They should do it like Marvel used to be what we used to say. Yeah. And now it very much is Marvel's just throwing everything out and not giving anything, any time to breathe or to really get set up properly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is sad because there's so many great things that are happening in these shows, but they're never really given the time to mature and, you know, well, the problem, the audience. one of the biggest problems with Marvel just in general, and I know we're going kind of off on a tangent here a little bit, but we're going to talk about it. Like, why not? Uh, is the fact that everything that Marvel seems to be doing, like basically since Endgame, is just, we're doing this to get us to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And then when they get to that next thing, they're like, okay, cool. This is what we set up, but we're using it to set up something else. Yeah. Nothing is allowed to be a resolution. Everything is just a stepping stone to the next thing. And that's not effective. That's yeah. not, all that is, is that's just bad storytelling mm-hmm. that is coasting on the promise of a better story down the line. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, it makes me really, I mean, to, the, to, to that same point, like, that's why I'm really nervous about the Coven of Chaos, Agatha all along, whatever the show is going to be called, because that felt like a spinoff that they were just like, oh, everybody liked this one gimmick that we had in WandaVision, so let's make an entire series around the one gimmick. But for what? Like, what's the end game? What are you, like, actually going towards here? What is the setting up? Um and that's another show that I'm like, I love everybody who's in it. I'm very excited. I love witches. I love weird stuff. Like it, it seems like something. I love Aubrey Plaza and Catherine Hahn. But like, why? Why does this exist except for a reaction to something that was trending on Twitter for two days? And will it matter when it comes out? Because it's been yeah. so long since WandaVision. I mean, that was the it start used, of the pandemic. <laughs> it used to be that when Marvel announced that they were doing something, even if I knew nothing about that particular project, I could at least, as a comic book fan, look at what characters or mm-hmm. like what group we know is going to be involved. And I would look at it and go, okay, I kind of see where they're going. Like I can kind of see a little bit of like shades of an idea. Now when they announce, you know, Echo or uh, Agatha Coven of Chaos or whatever the hell else, I'm just like, I don't see how these are fitting other than from a business standpoint. 
Yeah. Like I'm seeing a business play. I'm not seeing a narrative play. Yeah. Everything seems very reactionary rather than like actually being connected to the story. Like there's no real through line. It's kind of feels like, I mean, WandaVision going back to that is like a really good example of that because WandaVision did not match up with Multiverse of Madness the story yeah. that was being told there. And it was because nobody was talking to each other. They had two things and there was no actual communication. So you had a really inconsistent story and then that's supposed to push us. It very forward. much, that situation very much felt like there needed to be another season of WandaVision before 100%. Multiverse of Madness. Because she ended very apologetic about the bad stuff that she did. Then we, <laughs> uh, we saw her messing with the Darkhold a little bit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's like super, super baddie. Like without there, we're missing that bridging piece. Yeah. Because they, they were ready to jump to what the next story was and they weren't really focused on the connected tissue. They need time to let, this is something I'm really big about with, with storytelling is like, you need time for your characters and your audience to breathe. Like you need moments in between those. And I feel like a lot of those moments are cut for time. Um, yeah. Unfortunately. So Mike K asks, do you think it's too late for Marvel to go back to its phase one slash phase two model? No. I don't think it's too late, but I think it's rapidly approaching too late because yeah. they are very rapidly destroying viewer trust. Yep. They are very rapidly killing any hype by putting out subpar stuff. And like, don't get me wrong. Not everything that they're putting out is subpar. I liked the Marvels. I thought that it was good. I feel like there were problems with it. And I feel like one of the major problems was I felt like it was rushing to get to the mid credit scene, but like they're capable of doing good stuff. And they are, they are in a situation where if they realize that they are hurtling towards yeah. the edge of the cliff, they can correct. They have time. Yeah. I think if they but, keep running straight to King dynasty or whatever that becomes, um, it's not looking like it's Kang Dynasty, uh, but whatever that is, if they rush towards that, I think that's the point of no return because I think there's a lot of stuff that they need to do in the interim to get to the the story points that would come from something like Kang Dynasty. That's like an endgame level kind of like thing yeah. that there's no well, like, endgame level buildup. Like here's the thing. So we are... We're in the middle of phase five, which mm -hmm. when comparing us to the Infinity Saga, that puts us in the middle of uh, phase two. During phase two of the Infinity Saga, we had a general idea of where we were going. Like I knew, okay, this is where we're at. We're going to Infinity War. We're go Well, mm -hmm. at the time I was like, we're going to Infinity Gauntlet because that's what it was called. Like I knew that that's where we were headed. We're going to Thanos. We're going to the stones. There's going to be the snap we kind of like know the general vibe of where we're going. I know that secret wars is on the horizon. Mm -hmm. I am missing so many things that need to happen before that story makes sense. Yeah. Especially since there's so many key players from secret wars that are no longer key players. So yeah. like who's stepping into those roles? There's, there's nobody like, it's weird. I just, I don't fully understand. I mean, and, and I can kind of see, you can fudge some of it. Like you, you can, can fudge something stuff. like, like we were, we were talking about uh, when the Loki finale came out, he becomes like the God of stories or like whatever. And yeah. I'm like, okay, he's True. kind of, he could theoretically fill the beyonder role. Yeah. A little bit, but you yeah. would have to like really fudge it and like really mess with it to get it to work. Yeah. 
he could also kind of, I guess, fill the Molecule Man role from 2015, but it still is like very oh. bizarre. Yeah, I mean that it, would take some serious leaps. It would, it would, it would. You would really, really, really have to like, like yeah. twist it and make it. You have to you bend basically, the timelines a little bit. You would basically just have to like. Here's the thing. I feel like they're at the point where. Right now, it, from what I can see, it looks like the Secret Wars that we're going to get is going to be nothing like the Secret Wars story, which is fine, but yeah. then why why even announce it? It just doesn't make it, I don't know. Marvel is, and I know that we've... <laughs> Talked about Marvel this whole episode. <laughs> we, well, we've, we've had this rant a bunch yeah, of times on the show. We're very consistent. We should just rebrand Mondays like Marvelous Mondays, and we just complain about Marvel. We should do that. That actually sounds great. Uh, here's the thing: I love the MCU. I when I was working on CBR, when I was working on Screen Rant, I was always on the MCU beat. And one of those things where you make videos every single day about Marvel for years, most people would burn out. I did not burn out. Like I am here for this franchise. I am here for these films. I don't want them to make mistakes. I don't want them to fall apart. So my criticism and my cynicism is from a place of love. Yeah. Well, what's so funny for me is that I've been a Marvel cynic for a very long time. And it's very weird to now exist in a universe where I am not an outlier and that my feelings are not like fringe feelings that I'm very much in line with a lot of people now. And it's that for me has been very weird because I've always had very controversial feelings about Marvel uh, and DC and the fact that everything's lining up and everyone agrees with some of my points now. I'm just like, well, that's different. This is, this is, this is new. <laughs> I've always been a DC apologist. I've always I've wanted always been a DC. DC to be I'll better. always be a DC apologist. I, you can't take that away from me. <laughs> I've always wanted DC to be good. And always been like, well, if they just like do this and this, and maybe they'll do this in the future and it'll be good. And then it's just like, no, they I have some shining. Hopeful that James Gunn can pull something off. So we'll see. I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of over cinematic universes just in general. I would I'm just like to, I would just like stories. Just give me like character-driven, story-driven, like superhero movies that are not connected or setting up the next story, and I will be so happy. Because I love superhero stories, but I think that what's happened with both franchises is they're so focused on connectivity that they've forgotten like the actual story and what we care about and what resonates with us, unfortunately. Tell tell good stories and if they connect great if they don't that's fine too yeah and that was that's the thing is that like phase one those movies they needed a tie-in comic to tie them all together otherwise they were just kind of like yeah there's like small little cameos and that's it yeah like because we had the fury's big week tie-in comic yeah connected all of them yeah but otherwise it was like okay you saw thor's hammer at the end of iron man 2 okay that was the only connective thing that you had yeah i, I missed this anyways i rewatched we... america civil war this weekend because it was december 16th it was so uh I I... Days. i'll pull out a little red book and i'll start saying like warehouse homecoming i don't remember very nice i used to uh anyways 
<laughs> Let's move on to the next thing before this just turns Talking about franchises. <laughs> Let's just, yeah, sure. Uh, Maggie, you have some stuff to show us. I do. I got a very fun package. Uh, these are the first ever package samples of the action figures for Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. Woo. So I get to unbox them on camera. Um, and if I am correct, these will be... Um, now, I didn't even know they were getting figures. They are. So this is Duna Bay's Nemesis and Anthony Hopkins' Jimmy, which is like a robot-ish looking character. So they are... We're going to we're gonna have to get a longer look at some of these once you're done pulling them all out. It's so hard. So these are the first two. These are um, series one figures. See if you can get both of them. And I'll open. Let me open up uh, Nemesis. That sounds like a fun name to open up and see how they are. Um, so these are supposed to be like digitally sculpted and fully articulated. Which so I'm... like it's like scanned the actor and then. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I have something to cut this with, I do here. Um, and these are coming out, I believe, in January on um, the Diamond Select Toys website. They are available for pre-order right now. And considering how much like is in this package and how like fantastically packaged they are, I was really impressed with what the prices are. So they're only twenty um, twenty four ninety nine, so like twenty five dollars. I will say I appreciate, and it's becoming less and less common these days toy packages that are actually open so you can see the individual figures. I love it. I was so happy. There's so much, like a lot of the bigger companies are starting to close the boxes off. The black series it's, figures? It's, it's, a, it's a quality assurance thing because they don't want to do, like, they want you to buy the figure before you see it so you're not, like, looking at the figure and pulling the one with better paint or, like, mm -hmm. whatever. So Which I appreciate having open packages like that. Like, I could, I could sit here and talk about the Power Rangers Lightning Collection all day. Although those... that would be pointless because that's done. Hasbro? Now. Yeah. So yeah, black series Star Wars figures and all that. Yeah, those drive me crazy because they started closing them completely. Who makes who makes these uh Rebel Moon figures? Uh they're the Diamond Select toys. Oh, Diamond Select. Okay, yeah, that's right. You said that. I don't have many Diamond Select figures. So many little pieces of packaging here. Oh, come on. I've never been a huge action figure. I have too many action guy. figures. I I like to collect like role playing toys is what they call them. Ah. So I have a lot of like like right here I have a Power Rangers morpher. This is actually that's to cool. say it's Power Rangers. This is actually Gokaiger. It's the Sentai version, but so whatever. Here's some sort of weapon. I don't know what all of their little. Oh, I think these are the 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 lightsaber type things. So little blades. I think they're <laughs> Zack Snyder's variation of lightsabers. I know I will I will admit I know basically nothing about Rebel Moon. I'm going in I have completely been, blind. I have been purposefully avoiding as many like as much information about it as possible because working this job we don't really get to like view things with you know blind yeah. like go into things completely blind so when it comes to like streaming series unless i'm doing a video on it i try to not watch anything 
or read anything so that I can actually go into them, you know, and be surprised by something. These are really nice. Like the paint job is really nice. That is really detailed. Like I'm quite, let me see if I can get it. So it's not completely out of focus. Like I'm very impressed. I mean, it and looks it pretty in focus on mine. Extra hands for her. So you can swap okay. out her hands. If so you, you don't, don't want have it. the permanent, the permanent holding hands in place. And I like that there's two so that you can switch it up so she can be holding like one blade and then does it even does she have like details under her eyes yeah she has like let me see if you can get it you do like a that is like it's really highly detailed very impressive i'm impressed i don't think i'm going to try to like putting in work i don't think i'm going to try to open up jimmy um, simply because that was a lot of packaging to get through, <laughs> yeah. um, which is good, which means the figures come to you in like really good condition. Um, the boxes, but, you know, are sturdy. There's going to be posts on social and oh, stuff yeah. showing all the figures. And you can store her blades inside of these little. Weapons. Now, Very nice. Like. I, I gotta ask as far as like the quality of the figures is this something that you because you know you collect you've got i have so many action things. figures how does this stack up against like some other pieces in your collection i would say these are considering they're fully articulated oh even her waist mm -hmm. moves? knees move clothing moves um i would say that they are possibly better than some of the stuff that hasbro has been putting out here lately that's kind of a low bar <laughs> i mean that is a very low bar but that is like my bar for like action yeah. figures because like these hasbro is the biggest producer so do you remember the lord of the rings action figures that came out with the movies that yes, were like highly detailed there. highly articulated you could shoot bows with them this is what that reminds me of so that is no. very high a very high do, bar has been set do we know what the msrp is going to be on them that's a big I, question I, <laughs> probably not if yes. it's if it's a preview thing, we might not know the numbers, but yeah. those are really those are really cool looking. But here's the thing: now that we've we've shown off the Rebel Moon stuff, yeah. I am a little curious to. I, I want to get like, I want I want you to show off a little bit of your personal collection outside of the Rebel Moon stuff. Is there any figure, maybe one that is like close nearby you, that you particularly enjoy or that you are a particular fan of? She also comes. If you have to get up. <laughs> that hat looks ridiculous. It looks really funny. Um, hang on. Um, I know that you have like your you have like shelves to your left and right, so I assume that there's got to be something on there. Uh, of course, you have a Kylo. <laughs> so I actually got him secondhand from a store, so he doesn't have any of his stuff that came with him. Um, but he is a highly articulated figure that I'm quite fond of, and it comes with a base, which you always now appreciate. is that Black Series. Mm, no. Yes. Hmm. I got it for six dollars at a used bookstore. Um, <laughs> but it's it weighs a lot. It weighs like a solid maybe two and a half pounds. Like it's a sturdy yeah. figure. I mean, obviously he's a very tall boy. Yeah. Um, but it looks, you know, that's mm, like it, pretty good. It looks like Adam Driver put on some weight, but I it's recognizable as Adam Driver. Yeah. Like it looks like a younger Adam Driver. 
Um, but yeah, no, this was probably one of my favorite figures. So but I have a lot. I have a lot. I have a lot of vintage figures as well because I went through a bout of collecting um, Star Wars prequel series stuff. So I have a lot of those, but those are out of reach. Well, as I said, I'm not much of a I'm not much of an action figure collector. I'm much more of like role play stuff. But I do have this is from my childhood. I wanted to show this. This is Aww. this is a predator. Uh, I got him one year for Christmas. It was a, a dual pack. It was a predator and an alien. And it came with a, an Alien versus Predator comic book. Uh, I don't have the Alien anymore, which is a bummer because I'm I love Predator, but I'm actually much more of an Alien fan. But I don't have any of his accessories. I don't have his mask. I don't have anything like that. But I got this. I think I was like ten when I got this, and I still have this. It sits on my desk. Uh, it's very cool. So I've been I've been a colossal nerd from the get go. But the one big one that I have to show that you will appreciate. I like that this has become show and tell. Hell yeah. We don't get to do that very often. Oh, this I is a that. model Enterprise D. Oh, it I is actually that. like a model from uh, whatever the name of that BST or something like that model company. Uh, this was made by my dad. I think it was, this was like 97, I think. Very nice. It's a little bit worse for wear. The uh, saucer section is starting to, uh, it's going into the separation sequence a little bit prematurely. Uh, it's not a bug, it's a feature. But the, uh, the nacelles are also starting to separate with the pylons right there. I have to do some gluing. This model, though, to t is so old. Nowadays, when you buy models of the Enterprises, mm -hmm. it comes with sticker packs that have all of the windows and stuff. But to my dad's credit, maybe he's insane, every single one of those windows and like the escape pods are all hand-painted. That's insanely impressive. I don't know what my dad was smoking when he decided that that was a good idea. Well, it was the uh, 90s, so probably nothing good. Probably nothing good. I think it just, here's the thing. My dad isn't even like a Star Trek fan. He built this for me and my brother, like specifically. And so he put in that much effort for something for my brother and I. And when my brother moved out, we had, two, so we had two enterprises. We had the enterprise, uh, the original series, and then we had this Enterprise D and Paul took the original series and I took the Galaxy class Enterprise D. Uh, I don't know if my brother actually even still has the... Uh, Only one of you has remained a true nerd. But it's funny, this isn't even my favorite Enterprise. So what is, what is your favorite Enterprise? Next Generation, I think. So you like the the Galaxy class? Yeah. The D. I do like I do like the Galaxy class, but I'm a I'm an Enterprise E kind of guy. I like the Sovereign class. If we're talking ships in general, I'm a Voyager girl, but you know my opinions on Voyager. <sighs> yeah, and that is that is something for another day. It's a fine series. I just Cuz we're already 40 minutes into this. Oh, we are 40 minutes in. Oh, 
we should go. Uh, <laughs> but you know, credit to the chat who has been with us this entire time. While yeah, I'm you guys have actually been have actually been going pretty active. good. While I'm Jeremy, you got to get you got to get your action figures out of storage, man. Got to get them up on shelves. Yeah, hit IKEA along. after Christmas and get yourself some fancy shelves. That's what I did. They are doing nobody any good in in storage. Yeah. But anyways. That is, that figure looks so awesome. I can't wait to uh, But we should, we should wrap things up because it has been over 40 minutes. Uh, so that has been our show today. If you have any action figures that you want to show off or any collectibles in general that you want to show off, you can hit us up on social media. Uh, you know, I'm Bender Waffles. She's Maggie. You saw our tags at the beginning of the show. Uh, get over there, share them with us. I'd love to see them. Uh, Maggie, do you have anything that you, uh, any, any upcoming fun stuff that you want to talk about? I do. I have, um, an interview with the prodigy showrunners dropping this week for prodigy launching onto Netflix on Christmas day. Uh, we have a couple breakouts that drop today. So check out collider.com to get the latest scoop on star Trek prodigy, uh, and watch it when it comes out on Christmas day, it's season one. It'll be all in totality binge it so that we continue getting more star trek prodigy because i am not ready to let go of those kids like i need i still to need to watch that show, so. it is so good well you'll be able to watch it now that it's oh am i gonna have to resub to netflix yes and i will make this a running bit to ensure that you do anyways uh so yeah go check those out collider.com we will be back tomorrow i believe it's you and perry correct i believe so is that the schedule i believe so yeah. we'll see uh so you'll see me on Wednesday, but until I see you, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day and we'll catch you next time. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.